0: time to play the game.
3: Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the night
2: time. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry.
3: Telling it like it is.
2: You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text
1: or call 404 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
2: And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Thursday evening. Going to be with you for the full three. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. We know you're not in the car as much. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices to listen in today. Use your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. You can use your Tandy computer, your Betamax, your Nextel. Whatever your device is, just download it on something. You'll be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, give us a follow on our personal Twitter pages at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there producing the show reluctantly on the other side of the glass. As always, my guy Oren at Romaine. Good to see you two nights this week, Oren. Not in a row, thank God. Just I had a day off in between. Well, we will start to get more regular here as football oh, season no. winds down. You know, so we'll get back into some you know Wednesdays and Friday. And, again, we still got Hawks basketball and stuff like that that will that will get in the way. But you'll be seeing me plenty here. Oh, um, so yeah. I you know one we la- the other night when we did um, that's life. Our top ten list was things we want to get done in twenty twenty four. And Oren said that he wanted to do more reading this year. He wanted to read more books. And so I was curious because I sent you some different selections of books. Did you get a chance to, you know, peruse some of the titles and stuff like that? I wish
3: I could share with the listeners these texts that John Shuckery has been sending me the past three days. Unfortunately, I don't know if Twitter is the appropriate platform rating-wise for the things that you have sent me with these book titles. Well, look,
2: again, I sent you a book called A Passion for Donkeys. I sent you a book, Little Bobby's Drunk Again. Um, everything uh, Here's from Roger Welsh. Everything I know about women I learned from my tractor. Um so there there are others that I and I sent you a whole I sent you I and I sent you the the actual screenshots of the covers and stuff like that so that you know you wouldn't get them
3: confused. Oh no, I appreciate that you offered a lot of clarity as to this is the book and this is what it looks like. Yes. And this is the cover of the book, so I wouldn't get it confused. I mean I you know, if if there's one thing I can I can thank you for, show gratitude for it, John Chucker, it was that, yes. Yeah. So listen i'm I'm a giver.
2: i'm I'm a giver.
3: I think, I think you give too much though, John. Oh,
2: okay. I think you give too much. Well, listen, can you ever give too much? I mean, you know, I'm, in this case, yes, you can. okay. well, I mean, listen, i uh, we were reading through some titles uh, the other night, so there's some of these titles on here we probably won't even get into. um, uh, but I'm just trying to help a guy out. i'm I'm trying to help out a friend, um you know, in your spare time. um, uh, there are some good titles uh, in there that you can you can read um so uh, you can peruse those um at your leisure
3: yeah i i i will be perusing those at my at yes i have i here's the thing like normally you know like I'll share texts with people like, hey, I got this funny text. Mm-hmm. I have told no no one close to me. No one close to me has has, had, has been told anything about Like, I get these texts, and I almost have to read them in secrecy. So my wife's kind of like, who's he getting texts from? Like, I just, I can't tell you. Like, I, I can't tell you just because it's, I have to explain it to you. And then once I explain it to you, somebody else will know what's going on. And they'll be in on this, and that's one more person I don't want to know about this. So
2: uh, you haven't shared any of the book titles with Oh, God, with her? No. No, no, okay. no. No, 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 no. I've she, shared it,
3: the book titles with no. Like, okay. You've just shared them with our listening audience. Yes. So the folks out there in the city of Atlanta and beyond, you guys know what John Chuckery sent me. My wife in my own house, my own house, my, my inner circle. Well, maybe she no wants idea. to read, too. My wife likes to read. I can guarantee you,
2: though, John Chuckry.
3: Okay. These are not books. These are books that probably aren't going to make the uh, the bedside table in the house. Well,
2: yeah, because I can understand. Like, it, uh, it, it's about a guy talking about everything he learned about women. He learned from his tractor. So, um, but anyway, listen. Uh, I, I I have more. Um, I can. Oh, I'm,
3: I'm I'm sure you are. I'm sure there is a <laughs> just a bank of cartoon strips and horrible book. <laughs> Titles, label, covers, all that stuff, just on a photo that just says just just daily orange affirmations. Yes,
2: I mean, listen, I I, I text you guests and different things like that, but I I want to go deeper than that. I want to go beyond. You know, shout um, out to Rick
3: Caffey. Rick Caffey uh, a couple times a week he sends out like you know inspirational texts and quotes and things like that via email. Yes, I get those which are like oh uplifting, and then. Mm I get your text, and it's like <laughs> brings me right on back. Down. It's balance. What
2: what what is the exact diametric opposite of anything that Rick Caffey sends you for inspiration? Is pretty much anything I send you.
3: Yeah, let's say like I, what's this? I break even.
2: My emotions break even. I'm never so, too high, never too low. Just right in the middle. I, I I sent you like six different books, and there were like three of the the book covers. Then I sent you a text for guests that we want tonight. And then I sent you like three more uh book requests. So again, uh they're like it's like it's like the the important the meat of the matter is sandwiched in between all of the different books and stuff. And that's like
3: the that. worst part about it, John. Is that I you can't have to get you to the to, important yes, stuff you, you have to scroll without through it all seeing all the other things around it. I can't ignore
2: it. That's the worst part about this. And, and, again, maybe the worst thing you ever did was maybe the most harmless thing of all time, just saying, hey, I want to read more. You know, just, just the idea of, hey, I want to read more in 2024, and now it's turned into your personal Vietnam. <laughs> I'm glad.
3: You know, of all the things I could have said I wanted to do more, maybe reading is the most innocent thing. Right, right. Because God knows if I said something else, what you would send me every day. <laughs>
2: well, listen, um, I know you're a Marvel fan, so we won't get into all of that. Hey. You know what? <laughs> What's on the show tonight, John Shucker? <laughs> we will talk to our friend of the show, Joe Pat. We're going to be – so we're going to do two things here tonight, Oren. We're going to be very fan-friendly with you, and we're going to be very Falcons-heavy uh, as the uh, season looks to wrap up the regular season. Um is what the official Falcons playoff chance. Oh, by the way, they do have, Oren, a 0.1% chance to win the Super Bowl. So the the betting odds to win the Super Bowl for the Falcons are at 0.1%. But it's 12.6% right now is the Falcons' playoff chance. Now, we'll talk to our buddy Joe Patrick coming up here at, at 740. We've got a question here that we'll take your phone calls on and things like that. So Falcons continue to prep for the Saints. And the only thing that scares me, and I say scares me, but the idea of is Taylor Heineke gonna play in this game on Sunday? Because he's battling that that whatever, foot or ankle injury or whatever. And uh, you know, he's been limited in practice. And I know Arthur talked about it at his press conference today. Um, Taylor Heineke, was Taylor Heineke at the was was that today at the press car or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday he was he was uh, spoken to the media. And, look, he said he's battling through all the injuries and stuff like that. Um, I think they're going to find a way to shoot. Because I don't think there's any way that Arthur, even if it's an injury, I don't think Arthur wants to go back to Desmond Ritter. I, I don't think he wants to go back to, to Desmond Ritter. Because – and I don't think it's – I don't – We'll talk with this to Joe. You know, I don't think it's as clear cut that Arthur Blank has made his decision. And and this is sort of the same decision that was looming in what? uh, After the 2014 season, right? Because that's when Mike Smith got fired after the 2014 season. Remember, that final game against Carolina was for the division. Remember the Falcons if they had beaten Carolina that was a do or die game. If they had beaten Carolina they would have been 7 and 9 and won the division that year. Hence Carolina ended up winning the division at 7 and 9 that year and I think they lost to the 49ers I think in the first round of the playoffs. So they ended up winning, they they had the 7 and 9 record that was Mike Smith's final year final game. Um they got torched uh, in that game. Like they got they got smoked. In that game, so again, it's a similar situation that you know if you can find a way to win, and if Tampa, and I don't think Tampa is going to lose to Carolina, um, but if Tampa finds a way to lose to Carolina, how are you going to fire your coach if he wins a division and you have a home playoff game? Like I don't think Arthur Blank is going to do that. We've already talked about the idea that Blank is looking for every reason imaginable to keep Arthur Smith. And you're not going to win the division. You're not going to have a team that wins the division. I don't care what the record is. They win the division, host a home playoff game against either Dallas or Philly. I don't think he's getting fired at that point. Now they lose on Sunday, and everything opens itself up. But I don't think I don't think a final decision has been made on the future of his coaching because there is a lot that is still up in the air because of where this team is. Not necessarily in a good way. You know, I, I, well, I guess maybe it's, it's not so bad if you can win the division. But, you know, just the idea of there is a very flux situation um, that's in place. So we'll talk to Joe Patrick, and we'll, we'll give some Falcons thoughts uh, along the way here. Uh, Chris Sale was introduced to the media uh, today. He did a, a Zoom call and uh, officially had his Braves hat on. Two years, $38.5 million. Um, that's a good deal. Uh, again, I said this the other night. If Chris Sale has any of the old Chris Sale in him, this is really shaping up to, and you don't need him for 30 starts, you don't need him for 25 starts, you can you can bring him back really slow, really and truly, you need him for a month, you need him for a month. Now, we'll talk about, uh, a little bit later on in the show, some more Braves baseball, because An interesting number from Fangraphs that's out there right now. And you probably wouldn't think that this was the case, but this is what Fangraphs, who, you know, is one of the best analytical, sabermetric, metrosexual sites, you know, uh, as far as baseball stats go, uh, whatever those terms are. Whatever those terms are. There is – not anything associated with one of those terms
3: in Fangraphs. Oh, John well, again,
2: so maybe they're not analytical. So maybe they're more sabermetric. I, I don't. I huh? don't want to repeat the word that you used. It's a commonly used phrase. It's a commonly used word right now. Sabermetrics. It, no, metrosexual. That, does, that's that, commonly
3: used. That it, does not refer to anything that Fangraphs well, is, again, is it, doing it, statistically. It,
2: it, it, it may be something that is embedded. You know, in there.
3: I don't think that's a stat that they measure in term with with
2: current you know it's it's pounded players. it's pounded in there and what the all right so
3: you guys can't see this right now it what? wasn't so much when he said that word no, it I was shaking was the, my sleeve yeah, was, he was, was shaking my he was shaking your sleeve in a motion
2: that. So, yeah, what about fan graphs, John Chuck? Well, Curry? we'll get to that later on. We'll, we'll talk some fan graphs, you know, later on. Because it, it's it's, it may surprise some people as to where the Braves rank in a certain category. Um, that was a quality win all the way around for the Atlanta Hawks. And, look, that's a team that uh, Oklahoma City, you've got to outscore, and the Hawks found a way to do it. Johnson, Jalen Johnson with a career high last night. Um, terrific game. Obviously, we talked with Lauren Williams last night about or the other night about this eight-game stretch where six of the eight games coming up here are at home and you've got to take care of home court. The Hawks were four and nine at home going into last night. That's dreadful. And that's one of the things that has kept them in the, you know, playing rounds and all that kind of stuff is because of how good they've been at home over the last couple of years. So it's been a bad start at home, bad start to the season, but that was a really quality win last night. Now here's the thing. Now you got to turn right back around, and you've got another really good team. One of the real surprises, and this will be one of the road games, is Indiana. The Pacers have been outstanding this year. Halliburton, we, we talked about him multiple times on the show. He is one of the rising stars in the NBA this year. He
3: set a record. It was over a two-game span. He had 40 assists and two turnovers. I
2: mean, he 40 assists and two turnovers in two ball in two consecutive ball games. I mean, John. he has been one of the real breakout stars, and he's been a good player. But he's really having a breakout season this year, and that will be a very tough matchup heading up to Indiana. But again, you know, at this time of the year, you got to figure some things out. And and we talked about just take little chunks and stuff like that. By the way, we're 40% of the way through the season now. So now we're officially 40% of the way through the season. It's getting to where it's not early anymore. You know, it's not going to be long, that it's going to be halfway through the season, and it's going to go downhill very quickly, just as far as how the schedule rolls. And again, when you get into March, they're going to be spending most of their time on the road. It, go, look at the, go look at the schedule for the Hawks. The, the end of February, starting in March, like it is just road, 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 road. And they've obviously not been good on the road. So that's why this eight-game stretch is so important. We have six of eight at home. You have to find a way to win. And by the way, there are rumors out there that Atlanta United... Wants at least thirty million dollars to keep Tiago Almada because they want to keep him, and they there there's floaters out there saying that the price is in excess of thirty million dollars if you want him. Yeah,
3: he'll break that record that Miggy set a few years ago. Miggy was what the highest transfer fee right. out of here. Yeah, he'll break that record. But
2: but it says they obviously they want to keep him. Like they they don't want to they don't want they're not going to give him away for fish heads and rice. No, when you got a
3: commodity like that, we've had Garth Lagerwey on the station before, and he talks about how like listen, like this guy's really really good, and the idea when you get these players like that who are really really good. You want to make sure that the return on the investment is very high.
2: Would he be interested in some of my book titles? Uh, neither one of them, Tiago okay. Almada or Garth Lager. Okay,
3: neither one of them will be interested in that.
2: All right, 404 726 0929. Going to open up the phone lines to you. Who's been the three most impactful players for the Falcons this year? Three most impactful Falcons players this year 404 726 0929. We'll give my list, Orin's list. We'll take your calls as well. Chukri hanging out with you in the Kia Studios on this Thursday night. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game back at a Chuckry show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios with you Thursday night. Uh, a very rare Thursday night appearance. I don't think we've done Thursday night since before the NFL season started. Since game number one. Obviously, opening night in the NFL was Thursday night. Uh, that's the last time we did a show. Was it the week before that?
3: Yeah, so. I was on another show that happened.
2: Yes. Yes. Before they threw me out. Do you think he'd like any of those books? or I don't know. Oh. You could suggest it. I, mean, I do not have to talk to him. <laughs> uh, all right. 404-726-0929. That is both our phone line and it's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text thing. We're opening up the phone lines to you here as well. Um, Asking the question, who's been the three most impactful Falcons this year? Now, I think the two easy ones are Jesse Bates and and Chris Lindstrom, who, by the way, have both made the Pro Bowl um, this year. Jesse Bates has been outstanding. Um, You know, he's the fan vote getter. Um, He'll be in the running as far as first team. At at worst, he'll be second team All-Pro. Depending on who you want, Kyle Hamilton, Antoine Winfield, Jesse Bates, like one of those guys is going to be first team All-NFL, and then Bates will probably at least, at worst case, finish second team All-NFL. But he may end up with first team All-NFL, which is, by the way, a a way bigger honor than Pro Bowl. All-Pro is what you want to be voted on. So I think that one's pretty easy. Lindstrom has been your most consistent, most steady player this season. And there were times early in the year when, you know, it was like, okay, he got all the money and is he playing well? But he has solidified himself as still the best interior offensive lineman probably in the league. I mean, I think Quentin Nelson and Chris Lindstrom are the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL. And I don't know that you want to use pro football focus Whatever you want to use for a metric, those guys are arguably the two best interior offensive linemen in the NFL. The third one gets a little bit trickier, I believe. I'm going to say for my third one, and I know he's not played for a while, but I still think Grady Jarrett was one of the most impactful players. And if you look at what this defense has done after he was out, there was a gaping hole in this defense after he left. And that's impactful. And, and he was off to one of his best starts for his career. Like, he was having an outstanding season with Onyemada and everybody around him, Calais Campbell and everybody else and Taquan Graham and everybody. Like, he was off to a great start. And you look at the numbers defensively for the team before, when he was there and after he got injured. Now, Oren, I'll ask you, who's your three most impactful for the Falcons this year? Uh, Funny you mentioned Grady
3: because Grady is on my list as well. Um, Just his importance when he was here, and then you've seen his importance since he's not been here. Mm -hmm. So he's on my list one. Uh, I have Jesse Bates as well. Well, he just—I don't know if there's been a more impactful signing. Well, no, no, that's a little bit too maybe hyperbole there. But like just from what he's done to this defense, and just. The money he's being paid is, what, the highest paid safety of all time? You look at it, you yeah, go, it's, it's, it's worth the it.
2: four. I think it's the fourth highest safety number um, in the league or something like that, Yeah, or all time, or whatever it is. It's worth
3: it. Like, what he got paid, was absolutely worth it for what he's come and done in the back half of that defense. My third guy, um, you lost Troy Anderson very early in the season, and Troy was the guy that you were counting on to play big snaps for you this year. Mm-hmm. Nate Landman snit in and almost seamlessly took over that spot, and you've gotten equal, if not better, play from Nate Landman than probably maybe Troy Anderson this year. So my third, because of what he's been able to do from an impact standpoint, being able to slide in and replace a starter in Troy Anderson, but throw Nate Landman on that list. You know what's funny is
2: if you watch the preseason, Nate Landman was outstanding in the preseason. like, And to the point where it was like, Okay, are we going to have a discussion or debate? Should we play Landman? You know, Troy Anderson was the kind of the de facto default starter, but Landman really was good in the preseason. If you watch the preseason games, he had really good games in all three games, and it was like, well, this guy maybe has got given give us some depth and all that kind of stuff. Then obviously Troy Anderson goes down early, and Landman to your like you just said. He has stepped in and he's he hasn't missed a tackles beat. this year yeah he has not missed a beat i mean from preseason all the way through this this entire regular season he's not missed a beat and and that's you know again for a guy that is a backup kind of player right like he's he's and i'll let me let me put it like this there there's going to be a very interesting discussion about how when Anderson comes back, the idea of Anderson, Caden Ellis, and Nate Landman, because that's been one of the real strengths of this team, has been their linebacker core, which has been obviously a disaster over the last couple of years. But you look, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys, those three guys specifically, will get used next year. Because, again, all three of those guys have performed well. You know, And I had my doubts about Caden Ellis Again, he doesn't have the sack numbers, you know, this year, but he has been good. You know, Kaden Ellis has been good, and their linebackers, just in general, have been pretty good. But it's going to be very interesting to see what Nate Landman's role is going to be when Troy Anderson gets back. Has he superseded Anderson? I mean, again, Anderson's a second-round pick, so he's going to get the benefit of the doubt in all of this. So we'll see what Can happens. Can I say something, John, about yes, our two
3: lists? Yes, sir. Do you know what both of our lists were lacking?
2: What's that? Well, quarterback. Yeah, a lot of skill players. Yeah, the yeah, offensive I mean, of the football. yeah, I mean, look, and and Mike said B. John Robinson, and I don't think Bijan has had a bad year by any stretch or anything gonna like that. He's going to finish with,
3: what, 1,400 yards of scrimmage total yards. offense? Yeah, scrimmage, yeah, yards, scrimmage yeah. yards. Yeah,
2: scrimmage yards. Yeah. And look, again, I, I think it's – but, you know, he's – what? He has the – he has the third – most fumbles for a non-quarterback in the NFL. That's a problem He'll have to address in the right. offseason. He, yes. also, he also has not been a very good pass blocker. And at times, his route running has been very questionable. So, again, he's done a lot of great things for this team. But has it impacted us enough that that we're winning games that we shouldn't be winning? I, I don't, I think, don't so. think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. so. And, again, that's not all on him. But I don't. I don't. You know, Pro Football Focus was thinking he would lead the league in rushing and all this, that, and the other. Because you have the eighth overall pick, and by virtue
3: of him being the eighth overall, like he's going to be fed the football. It's just because you get, you have to justify taking a running back that high, and how you justify that is so that you force feed him the football at will.
2: Did we have anybody who ran the football last year for us? Yeah, we had a couple of guys. Oh, okay. Four zero four seven two six zero nine two nine. Let's start with. what you did there, huh? I saw what you did. No, there. listen, I just, you know, I'm just seeing it out loud. All right, Steve, out in Marietta. What's going on, Steve? Hey, good evening. Well, are you there? Yeah. Can okay. You hear me? Yeah. Now I got you. Your phone had broken up, so now I got you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, enjoying your show.
0: Very Thank intuitive. You. Uh, so you took two of my first thoughts, Jesse Bates and Chris Lindstrom, for obvious reasons, you know, I love the guys in the trenches that do because well, that's really where the game's won. Mm-hmm. And you look at the numbers for Chris, not a lot of flashy statistics, but it's the ones that count and he's doing great. And Jesse not just for his play on the field, but uh, his leadership and helping us uh out of the defense so um my number three is uh, – I'm going to go contrarian here. Most impactful. This is not in a good way. I'm going to say uh, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> the, in, the impact he had on our team this year was impactful in a good way.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are, there are direct – now, look, it, it's funny because there are direct losses that are because of Desmond Ritter. There are also direct wins because of Desmond Ritter. You know, Desmond Ritter has the four four come-from-behind victories. That ties him with Jalen Hurts this year. He was number one in the NFL in come-from-behind victories this year. Whether it was Green Bay, whether it was Houston, he was number one in the NFL along with Jalen Hurts with four come-from-behind victories. Now, you can directly point to multiple losses that are directly on him as well so when I, when when you say it's been a mixed bag and and certainly his impact I, I I can completely understand that because again impact isn't always a a good thing right all right uh let's go out to John out in LaGrange what's going on John Hey, Jackery man, I love your show. Thank you. Appreciate that. I wish you and Tribble would get together. <laughs> now, that would be a show. You know, we've we we, we we've floated out the Falcons flyover, but we only want Oren to produce us if we do the Falcons flyover. You can't together. hear me back right now, John, but I'm screaming no. No, no, on top I, of my I heard lungs. you. I know, I could hear you through the. I no, no, not you. you, John, the yeah. John on the phone right no, now. Yes, he he was. Oren was screaming through the glass, and I could hear him clear as day because. He wants nothing to do with Rob Tribble and I in producing the Falcons flyover.
0: I just want to know the last three books that he read
3: that you recommended. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm going to go Grady. I'm going to go uh, Bates, and I'm going to go Young Quay Shu Ku Koo. Koo Shu.
2: Well, it's uh. I mean, again, he's had a good. I, I, I know everybody's a prisoner of the moment. And you know, he's had some misses, you know, here of late, but he's had another outstanding year. Like again, there there are the fact that we have not had to worry for like a decade now about our kickers and punters. Like Bradley Bradley Pinion is one of the best punters in the NFL. Young Wei Koo is still one of the best kickers in the NFL. We haven't had to invest time and effort and energy that those guys are losing us games. Think about all of the bad field position that the Falcons have had. And Bradley Pinion has really helped that out. He's helped flip the field multiples of times. And so, again, the fact that we haven't had to worry about a kicker or punter for, you know, decades now, whether it was Matt Bryant or whatever, I mean – who who was the guy that we um who was the guy Thomas um Dimitrov drafted um at punter? Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to now see now I'm gonna have to uh, because I, I've said all oh, the dude from Miami. I've I've said this before about that he was one of the better draft picks in the Thomas Dimitrov era. Uh, Matt Bosher, uh, not Sterling Hoffrich. Is it or, with Matt Bosher? Uh, yes, yes, Matt Bosher. I mean. Guys like that, that if you spend a low round draft pick and 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 hit on them, you didn't have to worry about your kicking game for. I don't want to say a generation, but for a decade plus, that's a big deal when you don't have to worry about those kinds of things. Four zero four seven two six zero nine two nine. Let's go out to Vincent out in Riverdale. What's going on, Vincent?
4: Hey, it's river. What's going on? Hey, buddy, how's it going, man? Man, it's so it's so. It's so obvious to state the obvious of the playoffs man. But I want to go uh, a little bit deeper into it. Um, yeah, we are a prisoner of the moment. Uh, somebody stole uh, Young Way Koo from him. Uh, if it weren't for him, we probably only have four wins right now. Yeah. Um, I like the DB. Uh, his last name, I do not know his first name, man, but he he he, he made some excellent plays. Uh, Phillips. his last name is Phillip. Clark.
2: Clark. Clark Phillips.
4: Yes. Yes. Not yes. Griswold, he, he, not
2: Clark Griswold, but Clark Phillips.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so he he's a dog too as well. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm just say this, man, I'm gonna give it to Tyler Azir, man, because I really feel like if it if it was just B. John in the backfield, man, it probably would have just you know, he would have got discouraged or anything like that. And every time the the game went away from John, we had Tyler to fall back on. You, um,
2: you know what's funny too is that if, if if Bijan, or sorry, if uh, Tyler Algier had to carry the load, he would have probably been a 1,200 yard already. back. Yep. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely. he's almost 700 yards in a in a reduced role because Bijan's got 203 attempts to the 180 that he's got. But you figure the fact that he probably would be every bit of a you know 1,200 yard back, and I don't. You know, again, when you start getting those kinds of numbers, I, you know, you start becoming yeah. a, you know, eleven 1, hundred, 1, twelve hundred yard back in the NFL. Like Absolutely. that's that puts you that puts you in, you know, some of the top categories. I mean, I'm not telling you it's a Derrick Henry was sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred kind of yards, but but again, those are big time numbers.
4: Absolutely. And hey, well, when you get into a situation where your court, I mean, when your coach is over his head, he makes he picks Kyle Pitts, who he doesn't use over Michael Parsons. Or he picks uh, Bijan over uh, Jalen Carter, uh, someone that he don't even use. Talk about defense, would have been crazy.
2: But uh, thanks for taking my call. Trey. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Thank you for uh, for the call. Yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, the, the the draft class looks way better in this year. But again, I don't I don't want to overhype the draft class this year. Just because, give me three years and let me see where these guys are. Because, again, go back to that 2021 draft class. That draft class is looking pretty thin and pretty meager right about now. Pitts, Richie Grant, Jalen Mayfield, Drew Dahlman. Again, I've said, I think Avery Williams is the most impactful player that's come out of that draft from three years ago. All right, Joe Patrick, our Falcons reporter, will join us up next. Chuck, hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out with you Thursday nights 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. We've been talking a lot of Falcons here in this first hour. Let's continue the conversation. Let's go out to the Waitforward.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy, Falcons reporter Joe Patrick. Of course, you can follow Joe on his personal Twitter page at J A Patrick two hundred, Joe, my friend, as always, um, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh yeah, no, it was just a few hours ago in the, the meeting. But uh, anyway, but uh, like, always
1: in my quarter my quarterly appearance showing up in this.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, i am always um, out doing all, stuff. always good to have you on the show and always good to have you in the meetings, you know as well. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, Joe, this is not exactly like twenty fourteen, but it's close. Because a lot of rumor, you know, if Mike Smith had won his final game against Carolina where they got blown out in 2014, he probably would still be the head coach of this team um, because that would have been for the division. Both those teams went into that game. You know, whoever was going to win was going to be seven and nine uh, and win the division uh, in that year. You know, a lot of people have talked about, well, Arthur Blanks already made up his mind. I I don't buy that. Like I don't. And and. Because again, of some of these similarities to 2014, look if the Falcons find their way into, no matter what you think their record is or what it should be, or whatever, if they win the division and they host a home playoff game, you mean to tell me Arthur Blank's going to fire his head coach? Well, that's
1: right, and I, I think that you know the one thing that has basically seems to be saving Arthur Smith at this point is the fact that there is this opportunity to win or to get into the playoffs as as slim as it might feel for Falcons fans, and it surely does feel that way it's there you know and and crazy things happen on the last week of season by the way i was actually just talking uh was actually just chatting with mike rossi from espn and we were just talking about how just last year you know you had the texans go out there and win it for um uh the texans win uh now i'm blanking on, on the coach's name uh from illinois anyway um, and the Bears end up with the number one pick where that, you know, they never would have thought that would have happened. So crazy things can happen here at the end of seasons. And yeah, I mean, I think Ar- Arthur Smith's got to be thankful that they still have that opportunity because of how the division shaped out. up. But um, gosh, I-, I honestly, Chuck, I've slipped back and forth my mind on how this is going to go. So I got to be honest, when I-, when I was up there, I went I traveled to Charlotte for that game against the Panthers and Man, it felt like a funeral afterwards. Like, all the media were stationed up in the press box to go down in the one elevator they have in that stadium. And everybody had to stop while Arthur Blank's posse, and that included Terry Fontenot, uh, made their way down the elevator. And, man, they looked glum. And just the way that Arthur Smith was in that press conference and the players, it was devastating. It felt devastating at that time. And then they come back and put together – one of, if not the best performance that they've had this year and kind of showed what this offense can potentially be if you get some competent quarterback play and they got it in that given game. And so, yeah, I, I do think that there may be a lifeline for Arthur Smith that they can go out there and put together a good performance and once again show that, philosophically what he wants to do with this team can work if they get the right pieces. And I think that there's clearly, you know, we could go into the whole debate, but clearly the, the, the gambit that this team made on the quarterback failed and whether you hold Arthur Smith accountable for that, ultimately, and that would cost him his job. That's the determination that the, that the,
2: you know, the, the um, decision maker is going to have to face when they come down to this. So, I, I've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Let's say that, <clears throat> let's say nothing changes. Let, let's say Arthur Smith is, is here to coach next year. I, I and, and I'll, I'll argue this, I'll die on this hill, okay? I'll argue this with anybody, that Terry Fontenot is going to have a real decision to make. Do you go the route of trying to find a, plug-and-play guy immediately to be your quarterback and help you try to win games, or do you do what I think is best for the franchise, and that's draft a quarterback in the first round, no matter where you pick. You want to pick 8th, ninth, 10th. You pick 19th if you win the division. Whatever it is, you have to find your next young quarterback in the first round, not not third-round flyers, not guys that are further down the road. I'm talking about first-round talent, Types of guys. And that's going to be the decision, I think, is that if Arthur Smith is back, do you just try to plug and play, you know, the Ryan Tannehills? And I'm not saying him specifically, but just try to find that veteran that doesn't screw it up. Or do you do what's best for the franchise and go get your young quarterback and groom him? And look, most likely that guy won't work out because that's life in the NFL. But that's the route I think you have to go at some point. Is invest that high capital into that position?
1: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, there are some teams that are making it work without having done that. Like the Rams are a great example, and Sean McVay has done a great job with Matthew Stafford, really resurrecting his career. But
2: ultimately, but, but let me let, the- let, let me just stop for just one second, okay? And and sure. but this is also the difference. They had a Super Bowl roster. Like Jared yeah, Jer- yeah, Jer- yeah, Jared Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl. Like that, so again, mm-hmm. they 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 had a Super Bowl ready roster that they just needed to upgrade that quarterback, but he got them to a Super Bowl. And I think people and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying I think some people forget yeah. that that all of those draft picks worked the golfs and the girlies and everything, Donald, yeah. they got to a Super Bowl. They just needed to get over that hump from there.
1: Yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. And look at Jared Goff. You know, he's doing really well right. with the Detroit Lions. And, and he's kind of also resurrecting his career. And it just goes to show that with the quarterbacks, you know, it, it, there's so much that goes into quarterback play outside of just a natural talent. There's a lot of kind of cohesion that has to happen with the play caller and with the offense and the players around him. And if that works, then, then you can see some of these kind of later career revivals. But to get back to the, what you were talking about, Chuck, I think that this is exactly like these decisions go hand in hand with one another when you talk about the coach and when you talk about the quarterback and who that's going to be in the future for the Falcons. I think that it makes a lot of sense for the Falcons if you do want to like make that big move and draft a quarterback, which is going to be a lot easier to do if they end up losing this game and they're drafting in that top ten area. Even if they want to trade up, it may not cost quite as much if they're there as opposed to, you know, if they were further down, uh, if they do end up winning the division. But, um, you know, I I think that if they do want to go that route and get that guy, maybe it's Michael Penix, maybe it's, you know, Drake May, whoever it is, um, then I think that it makes sense to actually move on from Arthur Smith because I think that if you draft a quarterback, and you keep Arthur Smith, the expectations are going to be immediately that you go to the playoffs. And I think that that doesn't really set that quarterback up for long-term success. Now, could that quarterback be the guy the plug and play option that um, any other, you know, like a veteran might be as well. Yeah, it could be. It could, you could get a CJ Stroud level talent. Um, even a guy like Bryce young, I think could have had a much more successful year this year and people will be thinking about him a lot differently. If he was in, a better situation for him to succeed, but he doesn't have playmakers around him. He doesn't have a, a you know great coach, you know, all, so many problems there in Charlotte, but all, all this goes to say is that you need to kind of have these kind of, these two pieces really be in simpatico. And so if the Falcons are going to go that option, I think that they would go on and, and, and choose a different coach, someone that they feel like could groom that quarterback. Uh, but they're, you know, that again, that is, there is going to be a price to pay for that. Um, and, you know, maybe I, – I think that if they did just – because I'm with you, I think that they probably they do need to, you know, make a decision at quarterback. This is a, it seems like a great opportunity to do it with this class um, and where they're going to be drafting. But, you know, if they didn't want to do that, if they did want to go and potentially sign a Kirk Cousins and Jacoby Brissett, maybe that would be a better situation to have a veteran head coach that he could give a veteran quarterback guidance. Uh, and, and that would just be a better situation, I think, with the expectations that are going to be on this team next year, uh, spe- particularly if Arthur Smith stays. If Arthur Smith is this team's head football coach, n- nobody's going to be settling for anything less than the playoffs. Now, this, the, the expectations are probably going to be high regardless of who the coach is, but I think there would be at least a, some level of grace if you have a new head coach and potentially a rookie quarterback. That's not going to be the situation. If Arthur Smith is – Arthur Smith is probably going to be – if he returns – He's probably going to be the head coach that's most under fire in the NFL. And that's just not the situation you want to have if you're bringing in a rookie quarterback and you kind of want to allow that quarterback to you know make some mistakes and, and learn and progress throughout the course of the season. Because if you do lose, you know, if you lose three of your first five games or something, then the, the calls are going to be there. And it's, and it's just going to be not a situation that is set up for success for the team overall. So I do think that you know I don't know what way they're going to go. Honestly, at this point, they're and, and the other thing, Chugging, I'm with you. Like they obviously need the quarterback. That's number one. But there are a lot of holes on this roster, and they've you know maybe you you can fill some of those holes by continuing to um, do what you did this most recent draft, which with guys like Clark Phillips, Zach Harris, and these third, fourth round picks that can really develop and blossom and become what you hope to be starters. But um, there's, I, I just want to kind of put it out that there's, while the quarterback is obviously the most urgent situation for the Falcons team, um, there's lots of pieces that they, they, need, to, they need to build um, on offense and defense.
2: Well, and, and I'll, I'll say it like this, too. You know. And this goes back to a discussion that was at the beginning of the year the Falcons are still not a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. Like that was mm-hmm. the argument about the Lamar Jacksons of the world and stuff like that. Look, they're not a quarterback away. Look, you can bring in Kirk Cousins for thirty-five million dollars. You can bring in Justin Field, where you get one year for six, and then you got to go twenty-two million, and that's you know only the the last two years. You know, if he doesn't work out with his fifth year option, then again, what good was trading for him? But you know, we're not we're not. This roster isn't $30, 30, $35 million quarterback roster away from competing with Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco, even the Rams. I mean, look at how good the Rams have been since they've gotten healthy. We're just not, I mean, again, I, I like our pieces, but I don't, I don't fool, I'm not fooled by the idea of what well, if we just had this, this, and that. Yeah, you've also played the worst schedule in the history of the NFL. Like again, everything has lined up, and I understand not taking advantage of it. But again, like I've talked about this, Joe, you win the division, you find a way to win the division. Guess what? You play a first place schedule next year. Yeah, you you won't be playing all the slugs of the world. You'll be playing the Dallases and the Phillies. Start lining us up, uh, us uh, this team against those guys on a weekend week out basis of Miami, Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Like, start lining up against those teams every week and see how good you really are then.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's just go through it. Like, okay, on offense, I think you, you, you're going to be in the market for a receiver. I think that's a big need. You, you, you need some other, like, faster option that can stretch the field and be a technician on the opposite side of Drake London. Um, right tackle, I think, is a question mark. I, I Caleb McGary can be under contract. They can go into the next season with him, but I do wonder if they may try to upgrade there. Um, gosh, okay. On the Couldn't we have drafted Panay really Sewell?
2: What, wasn't Panay Sewell available? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, where, yeah. Oh, oh, no, I, I forgot. Maybe. He's he's the highest graded tackle, and he's the highest graded tackle in the NFL. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I, just, yeah. I just have these flashbacks in Vietnam to, you know, our drafts yeah. and stuff, but anyway. <laughs> and what do you,
1: like, is, is tight end a need? Like, I mean, you have Kyle Pitts, but is Kyle Pitts a tight end? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, because I think that he offers you the most when he's not playing in in the tight end role, when he's playing more in the slot or um, in a more receiver role. And you certainly don't want him blocking. So do you, I mean, I think Jonathan Smith is a a good tight end, but I'm just trying to make the point that even that Kyle Pitts and the player that he is, I don't even know if he actually is a a tight end for you at this point. And so, and, and you still need that receiver who can stretch the field. So that's just on offense, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Calais Campbell has probably been, maybe your best defensive lineman this year. And he's almost certainly not coming back. He does come back to play another year in the NFL. He's almost certainly going to go to more of a contender, I would think. I would be shocked uh, at this point if he's back with the Falcons next year. Uh, Bud Dupree, you know, a similar kind of, you know, veteran, um, but you, you can't count on him for next year necessarily. So that's two guys. You got another, a corner opposite AJ Terrell you'll need. Richie Grant has kind of proven that, you know, you're going to be in the market for a strong safety. You know, there are lots of, of pieces that this team still needs. And so that's something that's going to be, have to be factored in by everybody when we're talking about the quarterback situation and just how much you kind of want to sacrifice. And maybe it is worth sacrificing this year. And then to hopefully, put, you know, build in those pieces later on behind a quarterback who gets kind of his, gets his you know, blooding, so to speak, this, in, in this coming year. But, um, man, there, there's just the, the future of this Falcons team is really fascinating because it can go so many different ways, um, both positively and negatively.
2: Joe Patrick, he is our Falcons reporter for 92.9 The Game. Follow him on his personal Twitter page at jpatrick200. And he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Joe, my friend, is always appreciated, buddy. Thanks for. Listen, this is where I miss these uh, conversations at night uh, doing sports flashes and stuff like that because, again, we could get really deep uh, into all of this. But um, I always do thank you for uh, spending a few minutes with me. I always love coming on and chopping it up with you, man. It's, it's, it's fun. Even,
1: even though it's sometimes painful, it's always, uh, it's always entertaining and fun to do. So well, thanks for listen, having me on. Listen,
2: I always give you the painful truth. I'm the high priest of the church of the painful <laughs> truth. So, anyway, that, that's a line from somebody else. But, anyway, all right, Joe, thanks, uh, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, when man. we get back from the top of the hour, we'll be time for the Falcons' flyover. One name that is being rumored already, and, again, there will be many of these that uh, could be a replacement for Arthur Smith. Chuck in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, ninety two on the Game, and the Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.